I'm Amanda. And it's your favorite thought. And Tales from the Good Square was unable to join us this uh, recording. He has family in town and schedule's a little crazy. So we're just going to go ahead and record this episode, which I'm super excited about because this is something that I geek out about so much. And I'm pretty sure I know almost everything about... Are you spitting on your eye? No, it's a fucking like red ant attacking me. <laughs> anyway. You're good. This, keep it going. Okay, I'm going to keep going. Uh, this week, we're going to be talking about the Dyatlov Pass incident. Uh, the first time I heard about this, I read Dead Mountain about four years ago. And I was just hooked on this book like I, I could not put it down it was so good and the whole thing is just so bizarre like what happened to these hikers and no one can have or no one has a definite answer of what happened just because of all the extenuating factors and how the bodies were found and you know the government involving or the government involvement like with the funeral. It, so we're going to get into all of it. And I told thought not to research any of this because I wanted it to be a blind surprise. So I spent probably about a couple days putting together a slideshow just to keep me on track of what the Dyatlov Pass incident is. So, and without further ado, I will start and I will also link the DyatlovPass.com in the show notes because you could get lost in that website just with everything. So I didn't go into deep, deep depth on this just because there's so much. But like I said, I'll, I'll link uh, the website in the show notes so you guys can follow along. Thought, are you ready? Let's do it. I'm ready. Okay. I'm so excited. <laughs> I was watching so many videos and documentaries about this that my boyfriend was like, I'm, I'm pretty sure I could give this presentation. That, and I said, no, no, you won't. I, I'm doing this. Um, I think since our last our last recording last week, like that day, we decided we're going to do this one. Um, and I, you know, I obviously I know like a tiny bit about it. And just the fact that it takes place in Russia or the USSR is like enough to keep me interested. Cause that place is crazy. Yeah. So some of you are maybe wondering, like, why we're supposed to be like a military centric podcast, which I mean, we are to an extent because we all are all are military um but this does have a little bit of military background with it so i it, it works it tracks it loops okay so we're going to start with the background so nine soviet checkers died in the northern ural mountains between the first and second of february in 1959 under bizarre circumstances uh, the experienced checking group from the ural polytechnical institute led by Igor Dyatlov, which is what this pass is named after. It was named in honor of him. Uh, they established a camp on the eastern slope of, I'm going to butcher some of this, so just be prepared, the Kolatsyakl and the sure. Russian uh, SFSR of the Soviet Union. Uh, so basically, it takes place in the Ural Mountains. Uh, all of members of the party were attempting to get their level three certification. And after they completed this trek, that they would achieve that level of credentialing just because of the difficulty of the hike. Uh, overnight, something caused them to cut their way out of their tent and flee the campsite while inadequately dressed for heavy snowfall and sub-zero temperatures. And all nine hikers perished. 
Now, there were 10 that started out, and we'll get more into that, but um, nine survived. So the physical trauma to the hikers when the investigators found them and the, the rescue teams found them uh, after they didn't come back after their scheduled time. Soviet authorities determined six of the hikers died from hypothermia. Three hikers were killed by physical trauma. One had major skull damage. Two had severe chest trauma. And if you see the, uh, not the video, the pictures that I'm going to post on here, and I'll, I'll post it to the, uh, the Instagram too. Um, but it's, it's really freaky, like these chest trauma injuries that they had. It, it, it doesn't, something doesn't line up. It's weird. And another had a small crack in his skull. I'll get into who had what injuries here in a bit. Four of the bodies were found next to a creek with running water. Three of the bodies had soft tissue damage of the head, face. Two had two of the hikers had missing eyes, and one had a missing tongue. Yeah, yeah. It, I'll, I'll get into that about the tongue thing. That was, oh, it, it gives me the chills. Uh, and one had missing eyebrows. However, I've been there before, like when I overplucked my eyebrows. I'm just kidding. That was a bad joke. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the investigation concluded that a, quote, a compelling natural force had caused the deaths. Numerous theories have been put forward to account for the unexplained de deaths, including animal attacks, hypothermia, and avalanche, catabolic winds, infras infrasound-induced panic, military involvement, or some combination of these factors. And we'll get into more of, like, what each of those infrasound are. Infrasound. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll talk about the infrasound, because that... Yeah, what the fuck is that? It's... It, I have pictures of what it kind of looks like. It's, I'll explain, I'll explain. So Boot Rock was the, uh, the prominent rock, rock outcrop uh, in an area that now serves as a memorial. So where they went to um, in the Ural Mountains at, near the pass, uh, there's this rock, it looks like a boot. And so that's where the rescuers um, and the search party is that, that's where they all congregated just because it was a this big random rock formation uh, that was easily identifiable. Um, so people will hike out to boot rock to pay their respects, um, likely in like the summer months, just because the winter months are just so fucking cold. Um, yeah. And that's, you know, there, there's, there have been some groups that have hiked out in the middle of winter uh, just to kind of recreate the hike, but don't recommend it. And a lot of them, end up using snowmobiles instead of hiking itself. But that just comes to show like how difficult this hike was and right. what they did for fun. Did they say like what the, what the temperature was? They get into, I want to say at night, it gets down to like sub 20 degrees uh, Fahrenheit. Right. I wasn't going to say Celsius um, just cause that seemed a bit extreme. Uh, but it, it was, it was really, really cold. So that's what makes it so bizarre. Like when they were, when they went out without shoes. Okay, so I'll get into Igor Dyatlov because it was just about him. It's it's interesting. Um, so he was born on the 13th of January in 1936 in Soviet Russia. Uh, he was the leader of the ill-fated hiking group and the whole incident's named after him. He was a student of the fifth faculty of radio engineering at UPI University. Uh, all of these guys are really, really smart. They're all some form of engineer it's I, I guess upi was like a like an engineering school um so like it says he was a talented engineer uh he designed and assembled a radio during his second year that was used during the hikes uh in 1956 in the sayan mountains 
And he also designed a small stove that he used after the 1958, or used after 1958, so a year before he died. Um, and they, they brought that stove along with them uh, to cook and keep warm uh, during that trip, that the ill-fated trip that they took. Uh, while schoolboy, who had just entered or finished seventh grade, he, along with his brother, Vyacheslav, I cannot <laughs> pronounce that, <laughs> um, a student that of was, That was good. Thank you. Thank you. I Again, I'm going to butcher all these names, most of them. Uh, so when he was in seventh grade, he went along with his brother on one of the hiking trips that his brother did. Um, and he was noted for making like his first makeshift radio that the students that he went with who were college students, they, they're, they were really impressed uh, with the, you know, with how smart this kid was. And so the first few days of study at UPI, he was actively involved in the mountaineering life. He was distinguished uh, by thoroughness and carrying out any task, uh, great physical shape, balanced character and friendly attitude towards people. And he mastered the ability to do any job well, sensibly, often originally. And so not only was he a uh, skilled radio amateur? He designed and assembled a shortwave radio transmitter and established communications with the country's shortwave. And he was also a good photographer. And they took a lot of pictures on this hike too. So it's it's kind of interesting. They? Yeah, and so and we'll we'll get into like when they found the footage of what the hikers were taking pictures of. It, it's it's creepy. Oh boy. Um, but a little fun fact that I read about him in the book uh, Dead Mountain was uh, it was a summer hike that he and his uh, classmates went on. I think a few from the group that were part of his last excursion. Um, while they were out, there was this stampede of horses and everyone in the group was like kind of panicking. They're like, oh my God, what do we do? And uh, he was like, okay, everybody huddle together. Like we're, we're all going to like huddle together in this big group. And what ended up happening was the stampeding horses that came towards them parted around them like a rock. And that ended up saving everybody's life. Every, no one was injured. And so I was like, ah, oh, now I know what to do. If there's like a herd of stampeding horses coming towards me and hopefully I'm with a crew. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good little side fact there. Side yeah. quest. Yeah. So, I mean, if anyone ever finds themselves out and about for whatever reason, like now you know what to do. Uh, so I'll just kind of get into the members of the expedition. Uh, so, of course, we have Igor Dyatlov, we have Yuri Doroshenko, Ludmia, Ludmia Dubanina, Georgie. There's a lot of Yuri, so if, if you hear me say Georgie, his name's also Yuri. So, Georgie Krivonoshenko, Alexander Kol uh, Kolotov, Zinyata, which I just called her Zina. I am not going to pronounce her last name. I'm going to put it. So, we should just gave them all nicknames. Yeah, so I'll, I'll go it. So we got Igor, Doroshenko, Ludmia, Georgie, Alexander, Zina, Rostim, Nikolai, Simeon, which his name in the book was Sasha. So Sasha. And then we have the last one, Yuri Yudin. And Yuri Yudin uh, was the 10th member of the group that was the only survivor. Sorry, I had to burp. And we'll get into like why he survived, which really wasn't actually that impressive. Him surviving, he uh, he had to turn back before they actually started on the actual hike itself. So while they were out there, uh, Dyatlov was expected to send a telegram to his university sports club no later than the 12th of February, but he let his friend Yuri, who did not go with the rest of the group due to health reasons, know that it could be later than that. 
which would explain the delay in reporting. And it was the 50s. So as expected, there wasn't an immediate reaction to the 12, de 12 February deadline. Um, but as the days went on, family members got concerned. And by the 20th of February, they demanded the police and military get involved with searching for the hikers. By the 26th of February, investigators found the campsite. The tent was torn from the inside. They initially thought something got into the tent from the outside, but by examining the tent itself, it was proven that it was torn from the inside. Uh, the group's belongings were scattered around the campsite to include their cold weather gear and even their boots. There were nine sets of footprints left by people only wearing socks or a single shoe or even barefoot could be followed leading down to the edge of the nearby woods and on the uh, on the opposite side of the pass about a little less than a mile to the northeast and after about 500 meters or uh, 1600 feet these tracks were covered with snow at the forest edge under a large serbian pine the searchers found the visible remains of a small fire there were the first two bodies those of krivonoshenko and doroshenko shoeless and dressed only in their underwear the branches of the tree were broken up about five meters high, indicating that somebody, uh, the hikers were trying to climb uh, to look for something. Maybe they were looking for the camp. Maybe they were trying to get away from something. Um, both hikers had burn marks and multiple abrasions. Uh, between the tree line and the camp, searchers found three more corpses. They found Igor Dyatlov. They found uh, Zina and, uh, and Rustim. So, Rust yeah, Rustim. Um, so Zina... Zina, Dyatlov, and Rastim. Um, and then Doroshenko and Krivonoshenko. Make sure I got that right. Yeah, Krivonoshenko. They were both found um, by the tree and in their underwear. Uh, but Dyat uh, Igor, uh, Rastim, and Zina were, it, it looked like they were making their way back towards the camp. And they were a little bit better dressed than uh, the two that were found by the tree. Those three bodies that were away from the, the pine, they were found in poses suggesting that they were attempting to return to the tent. And they were found about 300, 480, and 633 meters away from the tree. And finding the, uh, the rest of the four travelers of the nine uh, took more than two months. And they were finally found. Uh, yeah, they were finally found on the 4th of May under four meters of snow in a ravine about 75 meters further into the woods from the pine tree. Nicolay Tibio had a caved-in skull. Alexander had a deformed neck, and he was missing his eyebrows. The oldest hiker, now this is where it gets weird, and I'll, I'll get into this, Sasha and 20-year-old Ludmia had crushed chests and multiple broken ribs. Both of them were missing their eyes, and Ludmia was missing her tongue. So okay. Yeah, so I'll <laughs> I'll post um the the map. It kind of gives you a better idea, and they label like where everybody was found. Um, I'll post that on Instagram so people who are listening can see it and get a better idea, and you can follow along uh, as we talk about this. So what the fuck happened? Um, from the initial medical investigation of the hikers near the tent, hypothermia was thought to be the primary cause of death. For all the hikers. However, when finding the remaining four near the ravine, the narrative shifted due to the violent nature of their deaths. And then I'll post the picture of the tent slashes so you can see it was cut from the inside. And uh, I'll post another good graphic of like where everybody was found. So what happened? The initial theory was the Mansai people 
um, that was an indigenous group uh, near the area. They were a peaceful people, though. So that theory was kind of thrown out later, but there's still a little bit of superstition that leads along with that. So the theory goes that they accidentally wandered onto sacred land or uh, or maybe were part of some sort of shamic ritual and persisted for some time. Uh, but the other theory was the Yeti theory. Okay. Right. <laughs> so there was a photo taken uh, of by one of the hikers, which showed a dark humanoid figure seemingly skulking by a tree. But people kind of ruled that one out because of the other film that was found on that camera of somebody who was probably just coming back from the bathroom. And it just was like this not so clear picture. But I mean, you never know. Any Anything honestly could have happened. But, you know, when we're talking about the Yeti, there weren't any other footprints found uh, in the area or like animal tracks or anything, you know, claw marks or anything that would have indicated that it was a Yeti. But we don't know. But they kind of why they sort of thought for a second about the Yeti was the hikers kind of made this mock newspaper and there's a parody article in there uh, and one of the hikers wrote during the expedition uh the quote the yeti lives in the northern urals near mount or torton so mount or torton and this is where the monsai people kind of get into this is the nine lives thing uh so curiously the number nine occurs in three tragedies in that area uh the first ancient folklore tells of nine monsi people dying um the second being the nine hikers and then the third being a fatal plane crash in 1991 oh, so like series of three nine people dying at each time hmm. and then I'll, I'll include the picture of the quote yeti but you can kind of see in the photo there's an obvious shirt and pants so yeah i'm looking like, at ah. it now. yeah i was like ah maybe not it's um, still like a weird picture to just to just fucking like take out of the blue though yeah like and, if he if he was taking a shit like i don't know like why you <laughs> You know what I mean? Like well, they had shitty cameras uh, back then, you know. Like I, I guess so. So another theory is espionage. Uh, so two members of the Dyatlov group kind of garnered a little bit of speculation. Uh, the first one is Sasha, and this is why he was 37 years old, and really he wasn't part of the original hiking group at all. He just kind of asked like last minute. I guess he was part of the university like adventure explorer groups club something like that. He had a tie to the university, but he was a World War One veteran. And like when, when I get into more of his backstory, it, it, it kind of seems a little weird. And then the second one is Yuri Krivonyshenko. He was employed at a nuclear facility before the hike. I can't remember exactly how many years prior to the incident, maybe like a year or two, um, to help clean up. Uh, the nuclear facility after a leak happened. And so since then, uh, it was compared a little bit to the sorry, the Chernobyl incident. And Yuri's body had a high amount of radiation found on it and on his clothing. So according to one theory, Sasha and Yuri Krivonyshenko and potentially a third hiker were working for the KGB and enjoyed the Dyatlov track to a rendezvous with CIA agents in the Ural Mountains. While handing over radioactive materials and fake nuclear secrets, the Russians were supposed to take photos of the American agent. The theory goes that the CIA, the CIA men got wise to what was going on, leading out to a fight 
and the eventual the eventual massacre of the Dyatlov party. Um, again, I don't really think it's that that theory. It could be just you know helicopters getting into the area or something. But you would think that there'd be more photographs of, or maybe they were told to put their cameras away. I don't know. But Sasha was a former Soviet soldier, and he had survived the 1921 to 1922 draft. This draft only had a 3% survival rate. He had four military awards, which it's just unheard of. Like the fact that he survived the amount of times that he had been drafted, it's unusual. And he was also covered in tattoos too, which a lot of like the Russian people didn't really see that much unless like they were a soldier, which a lot of them from that time period didn't survive. So he may have had ties to the Russian government. Maybe he knew something he wasn't supposed to, or maybe he tagged along with that group um, just because of like where they were going. And then, right. yeah. And then again, with Yuri Kravinashenko or Georgie, uh, he, had, he came from a well-to-do family and studied construction and hydraulics at the university. And he worked at the Chelyabinsk uh, nuclear facility who, that experienced the disaster that became known as the Khrushchev disaster. It was a plutonium plant that had a radioactive uh, leak. So did they say like what when when did that uh, leak occurred? Uh, that occurred in uh, that occurred two years prior to the hiking excursion. So that was in September okay. of 1957. All right. Pretty recent, you know, I guess. Yeah. I don't know how long radiation stays in your body for, but a a decent while, especially back then, like with the safety protocols, like it's, you know, and from what I read up, uh, he was seeking compensation um, and the government just wasn't giving it to him. So, again, those ties to the to the government, it's it's sketchy. Right. Sorry, I'm getting rained on. Oh, you're under shelter. (laughs) Run. So the other theory is the UFO theory. And oh, yeah. Bring it on. <laughs> so there was actually a photo. Uh, the photo is known as frame number uh, 34 from Sasha's roll of camera, a roll from his camera or whatever. Uh, so much later in 1990, Lev Ivanov, the man who led the initial investigation into the incident, published a sensational article claiming he had been ordered to censor some of his key findings. In particular, uh, the unusual char marks on the trees near where the bodies were found, um, which in Ivanov's view confirmed a source of a heat ray that had been purposely aimed at some of the helpless hikers. The book also noted that when all the bodies were being tested, they contained high levels of radiation. Think of like the glowing women and from like the watch factories and stuff like that level of like high radiation, the glowing women like that, that level. Uh, his right. article also alleged that floating balls of light, possibly ball lightning phenomena, or could have been UFOs or military like testing, uh, military testing experiments. Ivanov doesn't really censor himself. Uh, he basically said, based on the evidence gathered, the role of UFOs in this tragedy was quite obvious. Uh, some conspiracy theorists claim that UFO activity scared the group away from the tent. Uh, to me, this could be substantiated by the fact that they cut their way out of the tent, like something was happening outside and it like freaked them out. However, this is what's weird. Some people, when they read up on this, are like, oh, they ran away from the tent. However, this is the weird part. The footprints and the gate of which they were going away from their tent barefoot and so- in, in their socks, they were walking away from their tent. Ooh. That's 
I mean, they tore their way out of the tent. You would think that they would be running, right? They were walking. So whatever was maybe in the sky, they were like, oh, my God, what the fuck is that? Yeah, just like scrolling and weird. And I guess like if the, the burn marks, too, on the victims, kind of an indicator of whatever he was talking about. Yeah. So the, the group that was found near the tree and like leading away from the tree, they had like marks and abrasions. Zena, the one w- that was behind uh, uh, Dyatlov on their way back to the tent, um, sh- her, she had cuts on her hand and from what they said, pieces of her skin in her mouth. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. It, and, and she it's was, um, so she had a, a high level of radiation on her, but that was because she put on, um, remember our, our guy that worked at the plutonium plant? She had one of his jackets on, which I'm assuming after he died, She's like, oh, well, he's dead anyway, and I got to try to keep warm. So she put that on, and so she had high level, higher levels of radiation on her. It, it's, okay. it's So, okay, I'm, I'm still, still got a little bit to go, but not too much further before like I start like talking about what I think happened and maybe what you think happened. Um, so there's the military weapons testing theory. So in one speculation, the campsite fell within the path of Soviet parachute mine exercises. So they drop them they explode, which would explain why there wasn't really anything found around, but it also could explain the injuries, the impact injuries that some of the hikers had um, and the burn marks on the trees. So this theory alleges that hikers awoken by a loud series of explosions, fled the tent in a shoeless panic and found themselves unable to return to uh, for supply retrieval. After some of the members froze to death, attempting to endure the bombardment, others commandeered their clothing only to be fatally injured by subsequent parachute mine concussions. There were indeed records of parachute mines being tested by the Soviet military in the area around the time the hikers were there, which would also explain the glowing balls of orange light that uh, Yuri, uh, Yuri Yudin, the surviving member, like he, he said that I, he's like, I saw weird lights in the area where my friends were. So... I mean, it could be UFOs, could have been like the parachutes. So parachute mines detonate while they're in the air rather than upon striking the Earth's surface to produce signa- uh, signature injuries similar to those experienced by the hikers. Heavy internal damage with relatively little external trauma. The theory coincides with the report of sightings of glowing orange orbs floating in the sky or falling from the sky within the general vicinity of the hikers and allegedly photographed by them, potentially speculate that the bodies were unnaturally manipulated on the basis of uncharacteristic liver mortis markings uh, discovered during the autopsy, as well as burns to the hair and skin. Photographs of the tent show it was erected incorrectly, something experienced hikers were unlikely to have done. Similar theory alleges that the testing of radiological weapons is largely largely based on the discovery of radioactivity on some of the clothing, as well as the descriptions of the bodies by relatives when they had, like, they brought in the relatives to come look at the bodies. They, the skin and the hair were discolored, like an orange color, like just, I mean, it also could be, you know, just that state of decomposition and like freezing temperatures, but the high levels of radiation, it was sketchy. However, radioactive dispersal would have affected all, just not some, of the hikers and the equipment. And the skin and hair discoloration could be explained by the natural process. Like I said, mummification, exposure to the wind and cold. Um, and the initial suppression of the Soviet authorities of the files describing the group's disappearances is sometimes mentioned as evidence of a cover-up. 
but the concealment of information about domestic incidents was standard procedure in the USSR thus far from peculiar. So they just kind of, whatever weird shit happened, the Russian government would, we're going to confiscate this. We're going to file this away. Yeah. But by the late 1980s, the Dyatlov files have been released in some manner. Okay. So you wanted to know about infrasound, right? Yes. Okay. So this, I kind of have a theory, but I'll talk about it a little bit later. But infrasound is, it's weird. So new research into weather pattern phenomena suggested the perfect storm could have struck the campers at night, panicking them so much that they would have fled their tent and fallen victim to brutal cold before coming to their senses. Infrasound, which is vibrations in the air, which are too low for humans to hear, was first observed in the 1960s. They kind of discovered it after the fact, after the hikers had perished. Um, the waves being defined as below human hearing range of 20 hertz, the upper range is about uh, 20,000 hertz, can be made by man-made objects as well as natural phenomena. Vladimir Gavru, a French scientist, first noticed the effect of infrasound thanks on his body thanks to a badly designed fan. When his lab assistants began suffering nausea for no apparent reason, he discovered the discomfort was caused by the motor of a large fan, which was emitting a sound, uh, emitting those sound waves. A 2003 study in the UK found that a fifth of people exposed to infrasound reported feeling anxious, scared, or unable to breathe properly. So that could also, you know, with the altitude that they were up at, like not thinking clearly. Um, another theory holds that the waves are linked to ghost sightings. So people like kind of experiencing like sight sounds, like just panicked feelings in like certain areas um, could be due to sound. Iker's hypothesis for the Dyatlov Pass holds that whirling tornadoes could have been able to produce infrasound in a sufficiently high level to induce panic in the slumbering hikers, after which the Serbian weather did the rest. And it attached here is a picture of the uh, Carmen Vortex sheet showing cloud formations off the coast of Jeju, South Korea. So this is what it would look like from the top aerial view, which I'll include a picture uh, in the Instagram. Okay. I apologize. There's so much information here, but after I got to get through this before I start like kind of talking about what I think happened and possibly what you think happened. So yeah. the funerals. Yuri Doroshenko, Zina, uh, Igor Rustin were found, or they last found their piece in the Mayakolov Cemetery, and Yuri Kervinashenko is buried in the Ivan Coast. They're buried in cemeteries. Uh, the authorities surrounded the funerals with lots of fog and omissions, which greatly overshadowed the already unpleasant event. At first, they tried to persuade the parents of the dead to bury their children in Ivdel quickly and quietly, and relatives of the party were reminded of the party conscience and threatened them with reprimand of their obstinacy to bring the dead to uh, Sverdlovs, uh, another town. When they realized that the families would not budge, the party retreated and allowed funerals in Sverdlovsk. Additionally, the commies did not gain full control of the funeral organizations. Two flyers managed to escape censorship, naming the time and place of the funerals. Obscuring the funeral detail was done to limit the number of attendees. However, on March 9th of 1959, a crowd of thousands gathered. When the procession reached the Mihailovsko Cemetery, uh, the funeral procession was not let through the main gate, but from the adjacent street where authorities disassembled the fence leading to the cemetery. 
This was regarded as boorish attitude from the authorities by the people who followed the funeral procession. Uh, the general opinion was that the government behaved shamelessly and disrespectfully, though that really shocked nobody. Quote, the Soviet Union did not sink ships, aircraft did not fall, and rockets did not explode, and only labor achievements of heroism were proclaimed. In other words, there is no war in Ba Sing Se. Anybody got that reference? <laughs> they, they just didn't talk about bad shit that happened, you know, that could have potentially been because of the government. Yeah, nothing's changed there. Yeah, so that it basically was to try to keep the, the general public, like, not panicked or not questioning what really happened. But that really, with this funeral procession, it backfired uh, exponentially, especially with just how the bodies were found and, like, their hesitation of the authorities to, like, let the family see the bodies. In spite of the government's effort to limit interest in the funerals, a number of mourners, the number of mourners was enormous. The plan for the procession was to stop for a moment at the university where they had all studied, and the police subsequently turned the crowd away and focused on an alternative route. Yuri Kuntsevich, the head of the Dyatlov Foundation at Yekaterinburg, said, at the time I lived next to the cemetery and I was 12 years old, so I was really interested. I tried to push through the crowd to see everything, but it was impossible. I was amazed by some of the people in the crowd. They were wearing trebly style felt hats and jodhpurs and motorcycle riding pants. They were supervising the procession with their faces blank, expressing nothing. I was standing in a pile on a pile of earth at the gravesite, and I was about eight meters from the bodies. Their skin was somewhat brick color, and I saw some of the students helping lower the coffins into the graves. It was said that they were there despite being forbidden to lead their classes to attend. Uh, next to the four graves of the Dyatlov group and the Mayash... My Halaskov Cemetery, another student by the name of Sverdlok, another member of the Sverdlok Polytech named Victor Nikitin, who died of pneumonia, was soon buried. He studied the first year of the Institute and did not take interest in tourism and likely didn't even know members of the Dyatlov group. Nikitin was a country boy from a very poor family. His family could not pay for the transportation of the body to his hometown, and the weather was bad. It was decided that he was going to be buried in football. You okay? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So to the history of Dyatlov, the death of Victor Nikitin was not related to the Dyatlov past history, but it didn't prevent the conspiracy theories concerning his death. The fact the fact that he was buried next to the four graves of the Dyatlov group members and Krivonyshenko buried in another cemetery made him a secret agent. The story of Krivonyshenko's burial at the Ivansko uh, Cemetery had nothing to do with his parents, but what is really certain? The request was not documented on the net. It uh, doesn't necessarily mean that it doesn't exist. The government's desire to disperse interest towards the event may also yield a consent or even encouragement of the move. Quote from the funerals from Yakamento, a student of UPI and a participant in the search operation. I hung up the announcement of the funerals in the foyer of one of the main buildings of UPI. Uh, about a half hour later, I was summoned by the party committee of the UPI where Secretary Kasuhin approached me for disturbance and made me refuse to or remove the flyers. I refused, but someone took them away anyway. The reaction of the secretary of the party committee was incomprehensible. Evidently, he is afraid of something. March 9th, an update. Today, uh, well, only, we'll be buried only four people in Yuri Krevinashenko for some reason or another, Ivan Sko Cemetery, though his parents didn't object to his son being buried with the others. We hung another announcement about the funerals. It was immediately taken down by someone. We were outraged. Deciding to, uh, decided everyone go to the, the faculty and by course, walk around each classroom and inform the students about the hour and place of the funeral. So they were taking down these flyers and just like saying, don't, no, no, no students being involved, no nothing. So they kind of just 
went against orders and was telling everyone like when the funeral was taking place. Hence the yeah. big number of people that participated in the funeral procession. Okay, so we're towards the end here. Um, there's some interesting facts about this whole incident. Uh, the translation, the first one being the translation of Ortorton Mountain, where they were climbing, translates to the Monzi phrase, don't go there. They oh, were literally going to a mountain <laughs> to hike. And it's something's off about it for it to be named, don't go there. It's an immediate red flag. Yeah. And I mean, obviously just ignored. And then now, what was we, that named? Was that named after the uh, the locals there, or did some you know if someone else named it? Uh, no, that was by the Monzi group, the indigenous people that lived in that area. Yeah, okay. They were like reindeer herders and stuff, and they were they they hunted in the area. I know that where they began the hike, there were some weird like markings and stuff on the trees, like of like the Monzi people's like native language. They had symbols and stuff. Could have been religious. Could have been a warning. And what we had talked about for the second fact in uh, 1990, prosecutor Ivanov, who retired but published the article, which he claimed while compiling his report in 1959, he was pressured not to include his views on what happened. His original uh, examination of the scene, Ivanov found that the treetops in the area had unusual burn marks and scorched tips. So either UFO, Russian military experiment. Uh, Third fact, president of the Dyatlov Group Memorial Foundation Yuri Kuntsevich, sibling of one of the hikers, claims that the Russians generally favor one of two theories. One, the hikers stumbled into an area where secret weapons were being tested, and alternatively, the hikers were killed by mercenaries, presumably American spies working for the CIA. Ludmia, the hiker who was the only one with her missing tongue that was found by the ravine, okay, get this, this, this one is so fucking freaky, had a broken nose, broken ribs, her upper lip was gone, her upper... um. And her, yeah, so her upper lip was gone and her jaw was exposed. She had a massive hemorrhage in her heart's right atrium, and her stomach had about 100 grams of coagulated blood, which indicates that her blood was flowing and her heart was pumping when her tongue was ripped out. Isn't that... <laughs> uh! <laughs> okay, Fuck. number five. Sasha, the odd one out from the group, was found with a camera around his neck and notepad, though he never used it. The film was unrecoverable when the investigators found him. And he also oh, had on. his eyeballs. He, he also was missing his eyeballs. His eyeballs? So he and Ludmia both did not have their eyes. So th- they were thinking before like they found the blood in Ludmia's stomach um, that it was like natural predators or like, you know, birds or some sort. But it's so cold. At that time of winter, Like there was nothing out there. No animals, no nothing. I'm like, who, how? Yeah, and like the things that, like if you're missing your your upper lip, I feel like that's not normally like a go-to spot for like predators to take off you. Yeah. Same with your eyebrows and shit. Um, And the most recent, so this is what I found annoying about like them reopening the case. And like as of 2019, they were saying, Oh, like we kind of figured out the most likely course of action of like what happened. And they were saying it was a slab avalanche that killed the hikers. But I'm like, but there were footprints coming out of the tent. They're, they're footprints. If there's an yeah. avalanche, how would their footprints still be there? You know? Yeah, I think that's like an easy go to like uh, excuse. Because like even like the pictures of the tent 
the tent isn't like severely damaged, like, and they walked away from it. And, and from the tent photo, the hikers, like their poles that they used were like standing straight up. If there is an avalanche, those would not be standing up. So, and if they, and like, if they walked away from the tent, like they said, like their gate was walking, uh, I feel like you had time to like kind of dress more appropriately too. Yeah. Like, I mean, obviously they, they probably saw something, which it would explain Sasha's camera roll, like that, that photo of the glowing, or it could have been a distortion, you know, flat, you know, the flash ca- from the camera. It kind of supports the theory about either UFOs or the drop parachute exploding mines or something being dropped in the air from, you know, by by way of the Russian military. Right. Now, Sasha and, had one job. He could he could have took notes or something, you know, while he was running away. Well, I mean, I I kind of see why he didn't. I mean, it's it's cold. Like I I I don't I hate riding when I'm cold. Can you imagine being in the <laughs> Siberian mountains? Like I got my pen and they paper. They need to know. <laughs> hey guys, stop! I need to take notes real quick. There was a camera that was found in that area too that also belonged to Sasha. That Yuri. Uh, Yuri Yudin, the surviving member, like they were very meticulous when they were packing. Um, and he and they also like stored a little cachet at the base of the mountain for their return hike. Um, they had yeah. like, food and like extra things that, you know, were kind of weighing them down. I, I believe that they left the mandolin that uh, Sasha had to like play music and, you know, keep people entertained. But they, they left it there. So it's like. Why would he bring extra things or why didn't anyone see this extra camera that he had? Like everybody saw everything. They, I don't even think, I think they brought a little bit of alcohol for like medicinal purposes, but the group wasn't drinking or doing drugs. Like you had to be in your right mind when you were out there. So, you know, I kind of right. rule that, that part out too, of like they were drunk and there was like a fight. Um, yeah. Uh, I also included the link for the post-mortem photos. Do you want to see them? Yeah, I, I didn't see that. Is that on the drive? It. Let me. I got it. I got it. You, okay. I'm going to I'm gonna pull them up, too. Fucking do it. Okay. Huh. All right. Autopsy photos. Graphic content. Be warned. Must be 18 and older. Okay. All right. I'm looking. All right. So. Scroll down to it's towards the bottom. Are they, they on actually, the bed? It's it's at the bottom of the, the page. So keep scrolling. Okay. Okay. So second to last photo is Ludmia. Got it. Pull it up. Alright. Alright. He looks he looks fucked up. <laughs> yeah. You wanna tell me an avalanche did that? You wanna tell me hypothermia did that? It looks like his hair, like his hairline was like burnt, almost oh, like burnt it, back. Her hair? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Her hair. Yeah. And look at the chest. Like, look where it's caved. And the same one with Sasha's photo underneath hers. The chest is caved in. And the investigators equated it to the impact that would have happened with a car crash. Oh, my God. Yeah. They all look fucked up. Like, Zoinks. what? What? happened just 
It's so... it's interesting. It's interesting too. The uh, there are four of them, right, found together mm-hmm. towards the creek bed. Yeah. I wonder. I wonder why they are essentially on top of each other like that. There are also some theories with like potentially, you know, Russian military involvement. Like if if those bombs were going off, and then they realized that like that was the area where the hikers were, and Sasha being a former member of the Soviet military being out there. It's like that whole like exposing secrets that that right. weird creepiness to it. Sorry, still burping. <laughs> um, it's also one of the one of the theories is like with the Russian like the KGB and supposedly what these soldiers were trained to do and like the methods in which they could kill people. You remember the hiker that had the the distorted neck? It was like really thin um, yeah. strangulation, and by the time like the body would have decom- been in that state of decomposition, like the bruising and stuff maybe wouldn't have been there. Um, and they also didn't have like you know the touch DNA um, technology that we have today. Mm. So it could also explain the crushed in chests. Um, by way of like, uh, like a knee, like drop, you know, basically like dropping a knee on someone's chest and breaking all of their ribs. Right. You also had these head injuries that a number of the hikers had that wouldn't have happened from a fall. You know, like someone falling, hitting their head, like close to the ravine. Like these are like brutal head injuries. Yeah, I mean, what do you like? I can I, I could kind of go back and forth between UFOs and like military involvement. The one Reddit I, I sent you and Tails. Again, it's from Reddit, but uh, like that grandfather's journal he mm-hmm. had about the area. So give me like the synopsis um, of it because I didn't read it. Yeah, it took me like three days to read. It was fucking brutal. Uh, but essentially, uh, the grandfather killed himself in his 90s and left behind a journal. And uh, he worked in that mountain area. So whatever the mountain range was called. There's a, a secret that you yeah. There's a secret military base there that he worked in. Um, he didn't really know what the fuck was going on. They kind of just like sent him there, mm-hmm. and it was like built. It was built into the mountain. It was five levels deep. The fifth level being the most secret uh, that nobody knew about. And whenever you got stationed the fifth level, you uh didn't come back. And if you came back, you came back like really fucked up, and you and you weren't allowed to talk about it. Oh. Uh, sent- yeah. I, Essentially, I, I have what- something to say on that, but continue, continue. Because right. this is this is now like everything's coming together with. Ah, keep going, keep going. <laughs> right. So in the fifth level, there's uh, a hole blown into the mountain, like a cave almost. And inside the cave, a while ago, there was a military operation, and they found something in that in that tunnel, and they got freaked out because something was in there chasing them. And it was like taking over like in the like the spirit of these soldiers essentially. And they blew the cave. And for five years, the guys that were left in the cave uh didn't stop screaming for five years. And so they the people stationed on level five would guard it like with a fucking cannon, with guns, you weren't allowed to speak. But there was it was nonstop screaming in the cave for five years. So whatever, like they were still alive, obviously. Um Eventually, the fucking thing 
they, they sneak out of there that the fucking screaming people sneak out and just fucking kill everyone in like the military complex besides his grandpa and a few other people and these screaming like entities take over like the next body and then they ran away from the complex down the mountainside and uh the, in the in the journal the guy um the grandpa writes about how there's nine they found nine hikers they saw nine hikers hiking um and they set up a trap for like the screaming people where they blew the mountain and caused an avalanche to to try to kill like the screaming people mm-hmm. and in turn like they used the hikers as a as a trap um so they blew the mountain and uh the, you know the landslide or whatever you want to call it like took out yeah. everything the screaming people still ended up like being alive uh it, it was pretty crazy. I mean, again, it's Reddit, but like, it was kind of cool how, like, the hikers were tied into it and everything else. Um, yeah, sorry, I'm fucking out of breath. <laughs> oh, you're fine. Uh, but, but yeah, so like, it, it was interesting. It was a long read, but like, I I don't know the validity of it, but it was uh, it was different for sure. So but, I'll, what were you gonna? I was gonna say I'll include that um, I'll include that Reddit uh, link in the show notes. Um, so people can kind of like see what you're talking about. But this is where it gets creepy. And when you mentioned that there is a secret like Russian military site there. Um, I watched Devil's Pass the other night when I was texting you and Tails. And when I was talking about like, you know, interdimensional like things, because there, there's so much of this earth and the universe that we just don't see and just the way that the earth is like and the how to put it, just like the entire existence of the universe and you know the notion of like parallel universes and stuff like overlapping and not everything being smooth and like there being like wrinkles kind of and that's where right. not so much like a wormhole but to the extent like a wormhole like a, a portal of some sort so with that movie Devil's Pass, that's where that Reddit link reminded me when you were talking about, you know, the 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 base, the installation, whatever. So in that movie, these um, American hikers. And I'm just gonna spoil it. Sorry, everybody, if you want to watch this movie, um, stop right now, pause this, go watch it, come back. So this is your spoiler alert. Um, so these American hikers go to like research what happened to the Dyatlov Pass hikers. Um so it what kind of annoyed me I'm just gonna sidebar this. What annoyed me about this movie is they when the main protagonist was like setting up like where the hikers were found. I'm like, first of all, that's not right. It's not near a tree. Second of all, that one's not near a ravine. Like you fucked that up. Yes. And like it, she said also too that it was a different hiker that had uh, their tongue ripped out. It was, I think she said it was a guy. I'm like, no, for that, that's what that was Ludmia. That was not a dude. Oh, they really, they really got it all wrong, huh? I'm like, you need to do like your basic research when you're gonna make a movie about recreating like that group's hike. So anyway, like the two friends who were like basically producing this documentary of what happened. Um, they, it it was like late at night and they go up 
like they're they have the little Greiger meters that show like radiation levels. And she yeah. was getting like a higher reading up on the slope of the mountain. And so where it was like really like pinging off, I'm first of all, I'm just like, don't go there. Like that's radiation. Do you not care about whatever? It's a movie. So she starts digging and there is a bunker door. And okay. the door for where she and her friend uh it's Holly and JP, that's their name. So Holly's like, this door locks from the outside. So whatever is in there was meant to be locked away from the outside. Okay. So where are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm literally taking a piss right now. Oh my that's right. I can't see. Just keep going. <laughs> You're good. The podcast doesn't stop. <laughs> All right. And we're good. Just giddy. I can't see anything. I just, I'm just like, why is it so echoey? <laughs> if you guys are listening, this is, this is PG. <laughs> we'll keep this in the podcast. Okay. All right, um, we're back outside. So anyway, so whatever is in that bunker, it was like meant to be locked away in there. And like I'm part of that movie, like there's a set of footprints that are found, like these huge, like um, they the hikers wake up another morning and there's like these huge, it looks like overgrown human footprints that just drop in. There's a bait. Yeah, sorry. It's kind of like they going back to like the Yeti there. Mm-hmm. I'm in a city right now. That's why there's a fuck ton of noise. And I'm it's sorry. okay. I I'm mean, ho- I'm... You're, you're home. Yeah. Okay. So, um, sorry, I, I feel like I'm getting all over the place with this. So basically, like, you know, the, the other morning they, they found, like, these footprints and stuff. But in, like, the background of, like, when you're watching, like, the two main characters, like, talking, you see something in the different, in the distance, like, along the edge. Um, And then at another point in the movie, uh, there's, like, this radio tower and there was a tongue found in there and it kind of freaked them all out um and so you know they the the next night like they're all you know like in in their tents or whatever and then all of a sudden like these large like blasts like come overhead like it sounds like gunfire and then there's an avalanche that comes it kills one of the characters and then the other one who he's like really really injured and so they they shoot a flare gun for help, and they're like, "Well, whoever you know shot knows we're here, doesn't want us to be here." And yeah. so they're like, "Well, this what else are we gonna do? Like, we're stuck out here without any gear." So they take the chance, they shoot the flare. These guys come up, and then they're like, "Wait, those guys don't have any packs on." And so the the two like Russian guys that come to save them actually end up being like Russian military, and so they run towards the three remaining people they run towards the door leaving one of the guys behind the other girl's like dead from the avalanche they go to the bunker door they open it they get inside and it's like this secret russian military base and like stuff there is just left there and what ends up happening is they get attacked by like these monsters and they like they're like teleporting which would explain like the footprints like being there and then being gone like not going anywhere and then reappearing somewhere else and then 
vanishing. So what it was, was they tied it with, in with the Philadelphia experiment, which I had to look that up. But basically they were like, you know, the, the American military and the Russian military during like the space race were like kind of competing with each other. And, you know, with the with the teleportation, or whatever they're doing, the, these experiments and what ends up happening is it mutates people. And is that, in, that's the one when they it was on the ship, right? Yeah, yeah, and they ended up, yeah, like, yeah. fusing to the ship, like, whatever. Yeah. And they, um, so these, the basically, they, they kind of uncover, like, what the Russian military was working on, and, like, the logs stop in 1959. Um, Sus. So, the two, one of the guys who, the, there's three in the bunker, one of them, he's, like, being mutilated by these monsters and the uh the two main characters they're being chased out there's like these hooks and stuff like in this back room like there's these doors you have to like get into and they're these monsters like chasing them into this room they shut themselves in and these monsters will not come through this door and on the other side of that room is like this portal yeah okay so they in that room there's like these monzi like cave paintings in there and so at the beginning when they're like interviewing people like getting to go towards like the mountain or whatever one of the original search party people um she was saying yeah we found the nine hikers out there it was just really just weird how we found them like in the state that we found them but she said there was two other bodies that were found and there's a strange device and the Russian military that was there helping with the search dragged the bodies away and dragged that piece of machinery away. And like, they're like, Oh, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Which obviously for the time, like it's Russia. Yeah. So, you know, back to like the, 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 the girl and the guy, the main characters, they're like, okay, well, so what do we do with it? On one side, we have the monsters on the other side, we have this portal so let's just think of like the last place we were, the freshest place in our mind. This might get us to the other side of the the, uh, the bunker door out out there. So they walk through the portal and they end up back in 1959. Two main characters mm. are the two bodies that were found with their video camera. Oh, yeah, Ooh. and they're mutated. Like those. Remember when I was talking about like those big creatures that were like in the back, yeah. like. In the large footprints, it was those two that were mutated, and t- they had like these teleporting abilities. So it kind of ties in with like the 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 Russian military experiments. Kind of ties in with the paranormal, and it also ties in like the Yeti the Yeti theory. Which I feel also like kinda... there's like some. It's like every. It's like every like aspect of like paranormal you can have really. Yeah. Um. What so. What do you think? I, and it kind of, I mean, like, I know it's like a work of fiction, but with like, you know, what happened with these hikers, just the blunt force of the injuries and like what happened and like just how much the government is hiding. I mean, it's already been proven. Like the U, the U.S. military knows of the existence of UFOs, right? Yes. So what's to say that like, 
it may not be UFOs. It may be like otherworldly things that are happening in our world. Portals, time travel, wormholes. And the what from what the movie, and I know it's a movie, but the movie was like these, the military is like covering up and like hiding this from the general public. But it's like these weird things are happening. I don't know. It's it, it really it got me thinking and I was like, I don't know, maybe maybe like some weird thing happened that that could potentially be maybe what happened. It's it's not outside of the realm of possibilities, honestly. No, I, I believe anything anymore. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah I don't think it's <laughs> and like I think I like I'm between I think it's me both of them like UFO or UAP, whatever they call it now. Yeah. Um, and like the Russian government, like together or whatever, like that military base out there is kind of like our area 51 for them. Oh my yeah. God. Dead mountain is like their area 51. Yeah. There we go. Connected ah! it. <laughs> oh my God. <gasps> oh, it's so cool. We'll look into that. And like, well, it kind yeah. of explains like that, you know, back to like what the the slide that I had with the 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 nine tra- the nine lives lost and the three tragedies. It, it it could be like I don't I don't know we we don't know I've never yeah. been there I mean it'd be kind of cool like if you know I got to go there but I I would never I, I don't know like if you would if you, you me and tails go. <laughs> uh, okay. As long I don't as there's know. not, as long as there's not nine of us, I think we're good. Yeah, there's just three of us. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> fuck, I don't know, man. Russia's, Russia's kind of creepy. Yeah, it's there. I think that's what draw, like, what drew me to this, this particular topic. It's, it was just so bizarre, and there's it no, there. I mean, you, there's no solid explanation of what happened to these hikers. From the injuries to the cuts from the inside of the tent to them walking away. And what was really weird to me was the fact that the bodies were buried, but their footprints were fresh. And if there's an avalanche. Yeah, but but then you you have to think about this, too. It's like, okay, so maybe they did run away. And maybe there was somebody out there that saw what was happening and planted, like, fake footprints there to, like, throw people off. Yeah, like. Like a cover up. Yeah, like how how hard would it be to get like a prosthetic leg? And back then, like people who don't know what they're actually looking for, it's like, oh well, we see footprints, and then you don't see the hikers, and then the hikers are buried under you know snow. But you know, just just the fact that they were like chewing on their hands, like pieces of their hands were inside their mouths. There was some weird like when uh from the the group that was like found the four people. Um, don't sorry the five the five that were found near the pine tree and like three that were walking away like yeah I, I believe it was um, Igor that had like this gray matter like coming out of his mouth like foaming which I think gray matter and coming out of the ears I would think like brain injury but like it just the amount yeah, of radiation that was found on all of them which it doesn't matter if like one of them worked at that nuclear site the, all of them had high levels of radiation which would have you know the half-life of radiation you know goes down over time like how much how much was on these people 
Yeah, I feel, and I feel like uh, whatever the female's name was who borrowed the jacket. Like, I don't know how. Uh, you know, I'm not an expert in radiation, but like, if he if he was exposed to radiation two years ago and she wore a jacket, like, I don't know if that would necessarily like spread to her. That I mean, it could. It could. May, maybe I don't fucking know. Well, just Still the jacket, just the jacket itself, like being on him and him like being part of that. It's it, it's it's so much on him, but I'm surprised that like he didn't have like cancer or something. Hmm. But it's it's I just I just think about it. I'm just like. I, I think there could be a combination too, like UFOs and the Russian military. Maybe they, maybe there were UFOs in the area at the time, and like they were doing experiments with those parachute bombs, but they were trying to like shoot down those UFOs, and the hikers just managed to get crop, caught in the crossfire. Or, or Sasha was still working with the government, and maybe he pissed him off. Yeah, maybe. People, sorry, people have climbed there before, right? They weren't like the uh, the first party. I don't think they were the first party, and I, I know that like back in the day, like you know, Soviet Union time. And the reason why these hikers did this hike, most people are like, well, okay, why the fuck would anyone want to do that? Well, but back in the day, you know, college students weren't allowed to go travel outside the country. Like this was their traveling outside the country. That's why so many people from that university did these explorer clubs and stuff. What are your thoughts? Yeah. Like I, I'm like, I'm going to cancel out the Yeti. Yeah. I think, uh, I don't, mm, unless it's like a mutated version of what happened in devil's pass. I think we could probably cancel out the Yeti. So some type, lack of evidence. Some type of like, Lord, I don't, yeah. Eh. I just go back to like the footprint Alien thing, Yeti. but but then again, all the footprints could have been fake. Yeah, like an alien, some type of other physical being that isn't human. Yeah, I I'm, I'm definitely think there is the government involvement. Just with the amount of cover of other, they tried to do. The cup, the cut, co- yeah, for sure the cover up. Like that's a big indicator there. And they all then tried like to have several the buried together. Like originally, all of them were supposed to be buried together, and the families were like, "Fuck no," which is why like a, a certain number of them were buried together. Um. And uh, I feel like there's a lot of like the stories of said like military base, like around the area, uh, like definitely government. Maybe again, I don't know about the, like the parachute bombs thing. I feel it's, like that probably could be part. I, I, I'm just I'm just going back to like the treetops being scorched, which they were told like, hey, don't don't document that. Yeah, like. Definitely, that's definitely a good cover up there. Um, I don't know. Because if it was scorched, like, bombs aren't necessarily going to, like, burn, like, scorch it as much as, like, blast frag and, like, blow, like, blast the tree apart. I just had this thought. I mean, with any bomb, wouldn't there be shrapnel from whatever round yeah, was dropped? Sure. It just depends on what what these parachutes were made out of. There would be a or parachute. Different- There'd be a parachute too. There, unless it got burned up. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good point. Good point. <laughs> I just, I'm We're just thinking. There. Yeah, I'm just. I don't know. I. We I, have to be careful. We have to be careful releasing this when we crack the case. 
I'm anonymous, a- though. You're <laughs> you're going first. But anyway, we'll we'll deal with that when that comes. But Putin's too too involved right now with like the the Ukraine thing. I I don't think that we're gonna be. He's busy. He yeah he's he's busy. He's got bigger things to worry about, like his legacy that he's trying to lead. But we'll see when that when that's over, we'll see what happens. I mean, um, the CIA wants to get involved. <laughs> true. Do you yeah, think like the I, CIA... I don't. No, sorry. Thanks for bringing that up. I don't. I don't think there's American involvement. I'm trying to like think how they would be involved with it. Like, well, I don't know, also, it seems you have to think about like when this happened though, because this was, I mean, right around the time of like the race to space, right? Or at least this yeah. was like right before this. There's this arms race that's happening between the U.S. and Russia. Arms race, space race. Yeah, I mean, it's it's possible for sure. Like if they, again, if uh old boy was involved in like the government or KGB. They're trying to silence him. Uh, whoever the radiation guy was, I forget his name. Uh, Sergey or Yuri. Yeah. Just Yuri. Yuri's there's at least like three Yuri's in this group. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll post like who all was involved in everything like that, but, uh, what? I, don't, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's, there's just so many like overlapping things that could, play into what happened but it's just so weird that nobody knows nobody knows what somebody does i mean somebody knows but the general public doesn't know and the amount of information that was released what what else did what else are they hiding i what if what else was there at the site that like you know you had the russian authorities there they could have saw, like seen something on the ground. They're just like they just stowed it away or something, you know. Just yeah. the fact that like there there were um, what was it Sasha the the former Soviet Union or Soviet Union uh yeah Soviet Union military member um his some of his stuff was confiscated and never released and his oh, really? cam- and one of his cameras that was the 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 one that nobody else knew about like Yuri Yudin was saying like we haven't seen that camera before everything on that camera roll was destroyed mm. like it, it, they couldn't develop it but and he he jumped on like last with the party right yeah so, uh, Sasha okay. yeah he jumped on last um so you think he tagged along to do some type of like side quest for the government take pictures of whatever's out there take maybe take pictures of like the maybe they got the grid i mean hell getting a grid coordinate wrong and them accidentally uh, dropping it right where they were instead of like over the pass yeah and that ended up being like this weird like oh fuck we we, we fucked up some russian students the government if if this got out like the general public would be pissed at the russian government you know based off of incorrect grid coordinates of where they were because um igor they they could have like set up their camp uh further back because the weather was starting to get bad but he, igor was like hey no like we made it this far it, it was really hard for us to climb this far into the mountain for us to like turn back and like lose time because we only have this many days to complete this so yeah. potentially what could have happened is they set it up there that may be where they were supposed to set off these bombs 
and Sasha was supposed to take pictures and document like whatever and like he couldn't call up like he all they had was that radio that um that Igor had yeah that radio yeah, that, so maybe he he couldn't get to that radio. Maybe didn't even know the frequency that the government was going to be on to call up and be like, "Hey, like don't don't do it here, don't do it here." And that being what killed him. Yeah. I I just wish there weren't so many unanswered questions, but it literally is all like a fucking question still. The tongue thing just That shit's the, crazy. The like tongue what? thing. Mm. Take take away everything else like we're assuming. Uh, cutting the tent from the inside, scattered clothes, the hypothermia, the cave in chest, cracked skulls, missing lips, eyebrows, tongues. Like that in itself is like what the fuck happened? Because that wasn't anything natural. That wasn't. But even no, because they ruled out they ruled out like the the animal shit. Because I read that when I when I did read this story like a while ago, that was ruled out. But the thing was, what, you know, if that were, you know, a bomb being dropped, a bomb wouldn't rip out her tongue. And her tongue being ripped out while her heart was still pumping. I really don't think it was any bombs. And, or fucking, yeah, it's got to be some type of space yeti, man. That's what it is. Space (laughs) Space yeti. yeti. (laughs) Space yeti. And space yeti ripped out her tongue. (laughs) <laughs> this is so bad because this is like a human being that died. But maybe, maybe some of the members were affected, and then, you know, the the group, the they, the whole group maybe was down by that tree, right? Because there was there's remnants of a fire. They were probably trying to keep warm. You had uh, bits of branches that were on, you know, the two that were at the base of the tree. There's bits of branches and stuff like on, um, that were found like on their hands. So, you know, maybe they climbed up, tried to see what was happening. Maybe helicopter came in after whatever it was that happened that drew them from the tent. You know, they had the other group. Whatever it was, I think it had to have happened from the air. Yeah. So, okay, okay, okay. Back up. So, So back up. Okay, hear, hear, hear me out on this one. Okay. Something just falls from the sky. UFO, whatever. Something in the sky. They all move towards that pine, right? To get to safety. They're all, all of them are there. They build mm-hmm. a fire. They're like, we need to keep warm. It's, it, weather's bad. We need, we need to keep warm. Build the fire. The other two, they're still fully clothed, but they're like, hey, like, let's, let's climb up and try to see if anybody else is around. So they climb up and other people, um, they're huddled towards the fire, just trying to keep warm. Uh, Igor, Zin, uh, Zina, and uh, Rustim were like, hey, we, we're going to go back to the tent. We're going to get supplies. When they're going, everybody else is still there. When they're going, whoever dropped whatever it was came down aerially. And, and there was, a, I think there, I remember reading, like, there was, um, Zina had, like, bruised knuckles and stuff that indicating that, like, she put up a fight. Yeah, like a defensive struggle. There, there was like something that happened a little bit away. Maybe they, maybe the rest of the group couldn't see. And those two were still up in the tree. The rest of the four were down by the fire. And then whoever came like killed 
the three that were trying to make their way back to the tent, they're there. Those guys like are in, still in the tree. Whatever's there comes towards like their camp, their little makeshift campsite. Tells them, that, hey, you got to get down. And well, then again, Zena did get. She did have it, his jacket. It's just, it's, yeah, it's just weird because they moved fifteen hundred meters from the campsite, walking. Their footprints are in the snow. They're not lost from the campsite. Like and when you see like the the um the pictures that like show where everybody was found, it maybe he gave her his jacket to like go back towards the camp. Maybe that could explain like he uh uh the guy who worked at the plut- uh, plutonium camp or site yeah. whatever gave gave her his jacket because he was near a fire it's like hey you need this more than i do like go get warm and like go towards the campsite get supplies and then that's when they were killed and then they're still down there those two end up like dying from hypothermia because they don't have enough clothes on they're up in a tree and then they're down they like okay we're too cold we'll get down towards the fire they're and then whoever was over there like killed them came towards the camp led the other people away left those two to die underneath the pine the other four that were found down by the ravine were then fucked up by whoever was there. Space Yeti. Space Yeti. Yeah, they were fucked up by the Space Yeti down the, by the ravine. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds so bizarre <laughs> when I say it out loud just because like, there's so many. That's what well, I, I think this happened. is. I don't know. Out of like this whole. To- we've been talking for an hour and a half. I think this is like like the best discussion yet is like talking through it because it's obviously it doesn't make sense. But, like, none of it makes sense. Like, it just seems like Space Yeti fucked them up, and then, obviously, most of it's covered up. Yeah. But it's frustrating, man. Yeah. Well, to our listeners, <laughs> tell us what you think happened in the comments under the posts that I make. <laughs> Do you think it was a Space Yeti? Space Yeti with military backing. Who was hired by... The Russian military. Putin that was, was probably in, president still in the 50s. So that was there was some bunker that was up there that they haven't that the general public hasn't found yet. Is this area on Google Earth? I think so. Because I mean, uh, he, here in Colorado, uh, if you know about the Cheyenne Mountain, there's a secret military base inside of Cheyenne. Hold on. Uh, and they they found a. Um, Fucking almost like a a secret hatch on Google on Google Earth on the mountain. <gasps> no. Okay, okay, I'm on Google Earth right now. Let me see if I can pinpoint something. Select a I location. In, can I like look it up? I think you can put in I think you can put in coordinates on Google Earth. So if you you could probably find that off Wikipedia or something. Put that in. And then you could just fucking scan. Okay. Oh. This is getting in deep now. This is. Oh, oh wait. Can I put uh, Ural? Oh, what Dural? Ural or Dietlov Pass, Google Earth. I don't think with all of the, with all of the research and podcasts I've listened to about Dietlov Pass, I have not heard any one of them talk about going on Google Earth. Oh, there it is. Why is it so? It's so blurry. Ooh. There is nothing is it here. For a reason? Yeah, it's it's literally just like a bunch of snow and nothing 
2D. I'll go to 3D. Even 3D. It's nothing. Can you, like, scan out and, like, push left or right? Does it, is there any point to where you can you can see clarity? No street view available here. Okay. Um, <laughs> obviously, there's no Noted. streets here. Yeah, I mean, I could see... I could see like the trees and like the um the uh like I guess the wood line where you can't I mean, there's obviously it's like a mountain a mountain range. I mean I could see the but... trail. I could see the trail that they would have gone on because the, the oh. trail the trail that they used was like a Monzi trail. But you can't right. like zoom in well, I wonder how far the fucking closest Monzi, like, native would live from the trail. I don't know how they live and, like, what structures they live in, but I think you'd see that, too. And if it was them that killed these people, you know, how it, far did they travel from their home in in that in that temperature? Yeah, because, okay, so you can see Sverdlok Oblast, which is, like, where they're from. But you can't like make anything out which assuming like russia kind of like maybe blurred their google earth maybe. we do the same thing like if you if you google like washington dc uh the top of like the white house and places have shit blacked out yeah but i, I just think that's weird because like this is supposed to be like a quote natural forest area and you can't see anything it's weird, mm. man. It's weird. That's well. When I go back in tonight, I'll look too. I'm, I'm at like 10% battery right now. Okay, so I will let you go. To everybody listening, um, please rate, review, subscribe. Uh, <laughs> and next week, Tails will be here. Fingers crossed. He's really busy. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Uh, but yeah. Uh you made it this far and listened to like my whole thing about um devil's past definitely watch the movie it's you'll see kind of what we're talking about uh watch some documentaries on it and come up with your own theories and maybe what happened um and maybe they coincide with ours maybe you come up with something totally different and if you do please put that in the comments uh thank you again and we out <laughs> we say, out see you next week see you next week save yourself bye <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha.